My name's Rob Howes. This is the SLAS Discovery Podcast. Welcome to the SLAS Discovery Podcast. Today I'm joined by Paola Castaldi and Stu Fisher, who are guest editors on the SLAS Discovery April special issue on advances in protein degradation. Paola and Stu, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Sure. So I will... um... My, my background is actually trained as a chemist. Um, so I knew sort of early on in my career that chemistry was sort of the core of things for me. So I got my PhD in chemistry um, many, many years ago at Caltech and then um, did a postdoc in enzymology. Uh, and so that's where I really found uh, my true sort of core uh, love of science. And that's followed me ever since. Um, I made a choice at that point whether to go into academics or into industry. And um, the industry side of things really resonated with me. I wanted to see um, what I worked on in the lab translate directly into patients. Uh, And so I chose uh, the industrial career path and I joined Hoffman LaRoche at that time and started working for about two years there down in Nutley, New Jersey, working on metabolic diseases research. However, after a couple of years, I wanted to move back to the Boston area. And um, so I joined a company at the time called Astra, which became what we all know today as AstraZeneca. So I'm certainly dating myself. Um, And I joined uh, the antibacterial uh, research effort there. I spent a total of 15 years at AstraZeneca, mostly in the antibacterial space, but uh, interacted with the other functions in the Waltham uh, site. And actually had a short snippet where I overlapped with Paola as well. Um, so, uh, but at the end of that 15 year tenure, I decided to make a change and I actually spent two and a half years back in the academic setting at the Broad Institute, where I was able to really go, uh, very broad and deep into basic science and found that, you know, fascinating and really enriching, but realized again, uh, in my career that the, the industrial applied setting is really, really, really where I wanted to, uh, spend my my career. So I joined C4 just as it started in um, the spring of 2016, and I've been there ever since. So coming up on five years at at C4T. Great, thanks. And Paola? Yeah, so I'm Paola Castaldi. Um, Similar to, I also have a a background in synthetic organic chemistry. So I did my PhD at Imperial College in London. And um, after my uh, PhD in chemistry, I was really feeling the need to see the application of my chemistry to the biology. And so this is where I started to really get interested into this chemical biology field, um, which at that time, many years ago, Uh, was actually not as developed as it is uh, today. So I had to take a few steps to um, maybe specialize my my skills in chemistry to then enter um, the industry as a chemist, but then um, having an an ability to collaborate. My first company was a startup company, Makoto Life Sciences, that was really specializing on target identification approaches. So within that company, I was the chemist really generating the chemical tools to then perform affinity chromatography, pull down experiments for target identification. And that for me was actually the, the beginning of 
applying mass spectrometry to interrogate biology. And I was actually working on target deconvolution for the image drugs, which, which is interesting. Um, and then since then, I moved to uh, Sanofi Oncology in, the, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and then the last seven and a half years, I actually uh, developed a lot within uh, AstraZeneca, where, um, you know, we actually still, and I was working very closely with Rob, actually in the same leadership team, um, where we were really utilizing chemical biology and proteomics to shape drug discovery. And then um, just a, a couple of months ago, I take a, a new step and a new challenge in my career. And I recently joined a um, Lifepine Therapeutics. Um, so the company is really taking a new revolutionary approach to drug discovery by, by mining the fungal bio, biosphere to identifying um, novel and mechanistically chemical matters, really to target undragable targets and treat um, new diseases. Right, thank you both. That's really interesting. Um, so let's move on to talk about the upcoming special issue on advances in protein degradation. So first question, can you describe to everyone who's listening, what are protein degraders? Sure, I'll make a stab at that. So it's a remarkably simple concept, but one that has the tremendous reach and, and I feel is gonna make a, a, um, a transform transformational difference in drug discovery. But the concept is this. So in every cell you have a system that is uh, encoded in your genome. It's about 5% of the genes in your, in your genome are dedicated to recycling proteins. And that process involves a class of enzymes called the E3 ligases that sense and detect proteins that need to be retired or recycled. They then bind to those and tag them with a small protein called ubiquitin. They actually tag it many times. So they make a a long chain of ubiquitins onto the surface of that protein. And when a protein is tagged with this polyubiquitin chain, it's then brought to the proteasome, which is a, a protein complex, which looks and acts like, like a, a garbage disposal. And so when a protein goes into that, it gets digested, chopped up into peptides and amino acids. So that's the system. What is happening in targeted protein degradation is using small molecules that bind to or leverage those E3 ligase enzymes to go after target proteins that are your choice. So ones that are driving disease, you can then def uh, build small molecules that, that tether that target of interest to an E3 ligase, which then catalyzes ubiquitination and subsequent destruction. So we're not inhibiting enzymes or targets so much as removing them completely from uh, the disease itself. That's interesting. I guess it's been a mechanism and a field that's been around for a while. So why did you both feel the need to publish a special issue on this now? Yes. So as you said, Rob, so these, the initial really proof of concept of these proximity-induced um, biology has been reported probably around 20 years ago right now. But I think what has changed the last few years has been really the, the development of, if we stay in the field of targeted chimeras, um, really the generation of ligands that are more small molecule-like, not anymore peptidic type of molecules with intrinsic 
you know, cell permeability or um, less developed drug-like properties. But with the advent of like the image drugs, the cerebron and the less peptidic molecules against the VHL, I, th I think we have seen really advances in, uh, in terms of generating um, drugs and really proving the concept from a target validation tool to more therapeutic applications. And, and in fact, you know, we now have at least two programs in the clinic with our Venus for their AR and ER degraders, and both actually C4 and Chimera have recently announced their IND. Um, and so this is really a hot topic at the moment, and there are large number of investment across pharma and biotech in this, um, in this field. Thanks. So I guess in the special issue, you're trying to gather papers to show the, the latest state of the art. So maybe let's just take a step back and could you describe some of the common mechanisms that are used for protein degradation? I know you've kind of touched on some of these already. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll make a stab at that one. So uh, there's really at this stage, um, I would say three different known mechanisms for protein degradation. Um, it's uh, for one, there is what we've been talking about, which is this bifunctional degrader or protax. These uh, involve basically a dumbbell shaped molecule, which you have a binding warhead to the target of interest and a binding warhead to an E3, and then you connect that through a linker. And so that's the most conceptually easy to understand. And that has, you know, you've got binding uh, portions for both sides. So you can bring the two together when the molecule binds to both the E3 ligase and to uh, the, the target. That's called the ternary complex. And that's what the first step of, 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 an, of bringing this proximity-based catalysis to go. So that's conceptually straightforward, but then there's a, one that's similar, but a little bit harder to understand. That's called the molecular glues. And those molecular glues or monofunctional degraders, they bind to the e, generally to the E3 ligase, um, and they don't have too much, if any, intrinsic binding affinity to the target. But when they bind to that E3 ligase, they form a protein-protein interface hotspot that that combined compound um, proteins E3 ligase surface is what binds a substrate and in fact then catalyzes its degradation. And, and in fact, that is how the image drugs work. It's now known. That was really a, a novel discovery in the, in the last five years to really understand how they work. So that's a unique area, but now becoming a very hot area of interest. And then the last area is a little less understood, but no less pharmacologically relevant. And that's where you can have compounds that bind to a target and destabilize it just by the binding interaction. It destabilizes the protein and causes its degradation. And a lot of the known um, SIRD molecules, estrogen receptor uh, binding drugs actually do their work by binding to and degrading the uh, estrogen receptor um, itself. So there's a sort of non-E3 ligase mechanism that's also covered. And all of these mechanisms are covered in both a general uh, overview and in some detail in um, many of the papers in this special issue. Great, thank you. So obviously you're, you're trying to degrade the proteins. So what, what, are, what are the sort of methods that people can use for measuring protein degradation? Yeah, so if you think about it, this is a new way really of developing, optimizing drugs and the type of assays might be different compared to the classical, you know, 
target occupancy and binary interaction. So if you think about the mechanism of protein degradation, uh, you need to optimize the ternary complex formation. And so you need to think about developing assay, for example, that uh, can enable you to monitor the affinity of your ligands towards your two warheads, so the E3 ligase component, as well as your uh, therapeutic protein of interest that you want to degrade. So you need to think about affinity, but you also need to think about which linker strategy you want to utilize in order to optimize this ternary complex and generate that protein-protein interaction that is going to be responsible for the ubiquitination and ultimately um, controlling the efficacy of your, um, of your products. Um, and then there are complications in terms of ternary complex formation. There is obviously the ubiquitination component and the geometry alignment that is essential. And also the stoichiometry of these, um, of these proteins needs to be optimized so that you don't um, push the, uh, you basically favor uh, cooperativity and ternary complex formation instead of, you can imagine to have an excess of one of the two uh, ligands, for example, and starting to have equilibrium shifting towards a binary interaction that will be disfavorable in terms of gaining the um, efficient degradation that, um, that you need. Um, so these are I think some of the things that people have to think in, keep in mind while developing uh, effective degraders. Okay, thank you. That's very interesting. And obviously, you've been talking about the use of these as therapeutics. Can you give some examples of where these have been developed? Yeah. So Paula mentioned earlier the I would say the, the lead. Well, first of all, let's start back. There's some new degrader companies that have come out, Arvinus, Chimera, C4, and there's lots of, uh, and Norex, there's other companies that are really merging in, in sort of uh, almost on a daily or a weekly basis, it seems. But really, I would say the roots of this targeted protein degradation space lies in the image drugs, uh, pomalidomide, lenalidomide, and so forth. It wasn't known at the time that they worked this way, but um, it's now been developed over the last, the science has emerged over the last decade or so to real, realize that they in fact exert their mode of action by de degrading specific zinc transcription factors in, um, in hematological cells. So that's where I think the roots of this field probably lie, but more importantly, the extension of that beyond that observation and, and drug class is this role of bifunctional degraders. And the most advanced is two degraders now um, that have been put into clinic, clinic by a company called Arvinus, one for androgen receptor and one for estrogen receptor. And then there are also molecules directly on the horizon um, where they've they're gotten FDA approval to move forward to begin testing those. That's um, one by Chimera uh, for uh, the target IRAC4 and compound uh, that's for my company, again, another IMID uh, compound that degrades those zinc transcription factors. So this is an area that's now really emerging with clinical proof of concept um, and clinical precedent. Uh, I think it's a fascinating field. And as I mentioned, it's growing leaps and bounds. And, and while none of the papers in the special issue uh, of note here to deal with those compounds specifically, there are a number of papers in the issue that describe 
the um, how you can do research at this uh, drug discovery level to identify new targets or the profiles of these degraders, which is really fascinating. I'll highlight a couple. There's um, one by Rishing from et al. from Promega, where they studied uh, pankinase degrader on its effect on various, the CDK family. And what they found was very differentiated uh, kinetics and depth of degradation across that family of kinases. And in fact, uh, evidence suggests that um, one of those is actually cell cycle state dependent. So you can see that this, uh, this whole space can be very, very selective and to exert um, really remarkable pharmacological activity. So I see that as an indication of this field, not just being able to go into the clinic as we're seeing, but to really begin to delve into both novel biology and deliver new targets in a way that previously uh, not possible. Yeah, it's interesting with them just getting into the clinic. I guess that leads on to my next question. You know, what are some of the issues that we are aware of with protein degraders, and I guess especially around Protax in their use as therapeutics? So I think, you know, part of the challenges are really related to the, maybe the novelty to understand, you know, the biology and how to best optimize these molecules in terms of physical chemical properties, but also um, as we touched base on before, um, this is a new way of developing drugs. So is not necessarily, you know, following an enzymatic inhibition is not going to be sufficient to really understanding how to um, optimize your molecules. So for Protex, you need to be able to ensure that your in vitro to cellular uh, translation, you have the right assay that enable you to uh, optimize parameters such as cellular target engagement, ternary complex formation, as well as ubiquitination, and then your, your degradation and functional readout. So how can you put together a comprehensive data package cascade that can uh, recapitulate what is then happening you know, in, in cells to then really move in vivo. Um, and so, you know, part of the special issue is really covering and, and providing guidance to uh, the, the less and the more experienced people, people in the field on what are the assays that you need to monitor these. So there are, for example, the review by um, Pelago, for example, applying the cellular thermal shift to, to monitor contemporarily in the same assay cellular target engagement and also protein stability and degradation, which can be seen as a um, uh, monitoring mechanistically that you are on target, you are forming the ternary complex, you are engaging with your target, and then at the same time monitoring uh, degradation. And then there is the uh, review by our AstraZeneca also colleagues on, on, on how to utilize mass spectrometry and, protein, and proteomics to really um, mechanistically understand the, the process of protein degradation. You can imagine that ligands can, in addition to generate ternary complex formation, you, you can also bind in a bifunctional manner to other proteins. And that might cause some pharmacology that we need, we need to monitor. Um, as well as, for example, the use of uh, mass spectrometry of proteomics to determine um, you know, the protein turnover rate. Protein degradation in the end is an equilibrium between new proteins that get synthesized and proteins that get degraded. And how can we monitor these 
kinetics and relate that to the efficacy that we will see is probably going to be um, you know something that you want to you want to have in your toolbox of uh, mechanistic tools. Yeah, it sounds really, it sounds really exciting area. Just as things are going into the clinic, there's always a lot to discover, lots of new challenges as you take a new type of therapeutic through. So, I'm interested in the use of um, protein degraders in other areas of drug discovery. Can you give some examples? Yeah, I mean, I think what's so fascinating about this uh, field is that not only can they be, you know, drugs themselves, I think we're, we're seeing that's the case, but they're sort of the ultimate chemical biology or even chemical genetic tool. Because in fact, you are able to use these small molecules oftentimes to do very, very selective degradation on timeframes which were and are impossible by genetic tools. So if you look at a CRISPR or um, uh, siRNA approaches, it takes weeks, days to weeks for those effects to be um, observed in cells. The beauty of degraders is they work oftentimes almost instantaneously. So you can do time frame, uh, time frames which are impossible from, from genetics perspective, but wind up with the same kind of effect that you would get with a genetic ablation of that target. And so what that means is these are really probably some of the best tools we have today to validate targets, to understand their biology and the downstream consequences, not just on what does that target do, but all of its networking and engagement in disease in real time. And in fact, by washing out these compounds, you can see what happens upon rescue without having to fundamentally change that cell line. So um, there's a, a really great paper in, the, in this issue written by uh, colleagues of ours at the Dana-Farber, um, and they applied a, a framework that was originally put forward, I think, by Pfizer, this four pillars. And it really gets around target validation as, uh, as broken down into what is the role of that target in this and what cellular location does it exist in and what are the factors of, of where that target sits and, and compounds in cellular assay systems. From, from that to target engagement and then the linkage of that to pharmacology and the phenotype that you read out. So each of those elements, which defines you know, what, uh, what makes a target suitable or not for various disease indication, they go into, these authors go into how to use degraders and how they differentiate from inhibitors in great detail. So I think that's a great uh, review to read, to sort of get a sense of how can one use these degraders in one of the most important strategic decisions in drug discovery as to which target you go after and why. Thanks, Drew. That's a really uh, good answer. So thinking about the future as well, because um, obviously there's lots of examples of where they've been and there's, you've described some good examples of programs that are in the clinic or entering the clinic. In both of your opinions, how do you see the future of this area? Yeah, I'll, I'll start here. So I think in general, a, a couple of things for me. Um, so I think these uh, new modalities has really opened up new avenues to look at protein degradation or in general protein homeostasis as a way to control diseases. So as you mentioned before, um, proteosomal degradation, lysosomal degradation, autophagy-driven degradation, these are all uh, mechanism that I think the field will uh, will expand dramatically, and we will see um, 
you know, many more companies or studies such as, you know, the Lytax approach and, and, and so on and so forth. But I think more generally also, even beyond protein degradation, if you think about uh, here, we are talking about proximity-induced new biology. And you can imagine in our body, there might be many other um, unstudied, untapped biology that we, with, the, with the development of new assays, we will be able to deconvolute. That's, that's where I feel we are moving towards. That sounds like that's a whole different special issue on new biology <laughs> from, from protein, protein interactions. <laughs> that's great, thank you. So yeah, thank you both for joining us today. Thanks for the insight into the special issue and we're gonna look forward to it being published in April. Thank you, Rob, it was great. And, and thank you, Paula, for being a great guest editor uh, colleague. Oh, same to you, Stu. It was fun, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs>